1: time on Gilligan's Island, Mary Ann was missing. The professor said, there's not a sign of her anywhere. And Gilligan responded, you're not supposed to be looking for signs. You're supposed to be looking for Mary Ann. Philippians 3.20 teaches the church, for our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a daily joy given to us to look for our Lord and Savior who could come at any moment for us. For the rapture of the church, the body of Christ is not supposed to be looking for signs. We are supposed to be looking for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. However, under prophecy for Christ's second coming, there is a difference there. Israel was taught to look for signs of Christ's coming. Luke 21, 25, and 28 read, In there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. At the rapture, Christ will descend from heaven and catch the body of Christ up to himself in the air and then take us to heaven to forever be with him there. Heaven is our hope, and heaven is the place of our eternal citizenship. At the second coming, though, Christ will descend all the way down to the Mount of Olives, and he comes to establish his kingdom on the earth, and that is Israel's hope, and that is the place of Israel's eternal citizenship here on the earth. It is important to rightly divide God's word between the rapture, and the second coming. To be rapture ready, we need to have a proper understanding of these two future comings of Christ. The Apostle Paul points out this difference in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 20-23 read, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. In verses 23 through 28, Paul outlines the prophetic order of resurrections, and he begins with Christ. When Paul spoke of the gospel of salvation, which saves us from all of our sins in verses 1 through 4, he made it crystal clear that Christ's resurrection was prophesied as he says, He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. In Acts chapter 2, in Peter's sermon at Pentecost, he spoke of a prophecy in Psalm 16 verse 10 of the Messiah's resurrection and that Jesus Christ was its fulfillment as Israel's Messiah. Acts 2, 24 to 31 read, Whom? And that is Jesus Christ. God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell or in Hades, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Therefore, being a prophet, he seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell or Hades, neither his flesh did see corruption." Christ's resurrection was the first fruits, Paul wrote in verses 20 and 23, meaning that his resurrection was the first of more to come. Christ's bodily resurrection guarantees the great harvest of bodily resurrections yet to come in the future. You see this by a miracle that took place surrounding Christ's death death and resurrection. When Christ died on the cross, Matthew 27, 51-53 reads, And the earth did quake. And the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. On the cross, shortly after the three hours of darkness at three o'clock, the Lord cried with a loud voice, crying out, It is finished, and the Lord dismissed his spirit, and he died. At that moment, the veil in the temple tore from top to bottom. The ground shook from an earthquake. The earthquake was so powerful, it caused rocks to split in two and graves split open. Because of the Sabbath days that followed the Lord's death, for three days, no one lifted a finger to close those grave sites. Then on resurrection morning, after the Lord rose again the third day, saints from these open graves... "...arose as well. They stood up, walked out of their tombs, went into Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. Christ was the firstfruits. He destroyed the power of death and arose victorious over it. And Christ's resurrection as the firstfruits speaks to the fact that more are to come. His, guar- his resurrection guarantees the certainty of all future resurrections. And those who came forth from the grave when he rose, after he rose again, are a picture of this truth. But it is important to rightly divide between the resurrections to come. Paul sets the order according to prophecy in verse 23, and first is Christ the firstfruits. Next in the order of the prophetic resurrections is they that are Christ's at his coming, verse 23 teaches. Notice there that it says they, not we, Not us. This resurrection speaks of the resurrection of the prophetic saints after Christ's second coming. Revelation 20, verse 6 says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such, the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. The first resurrection is the resurrection of all prophetic saints from the past prior to this dispensation of grace, as well as the resurrection of all the martyred tribulation saints in the future after the rapture. They will all be raised from the dead by the Lord after his second coming and prior to the millennial kingdom. These saints will be raised by Christ on the earth. They will all enter Christ's earthly kingdom in glorified bodies, their bodies will be raised and changed and will be like Christ's resurrected body. 1 John 3.2 speaks of that hope when he wrote, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. We know that when he shall appear, that is at the second coming, we shall be like him. And these people uh, that receive these resurrected bodies, they will never die again. Daniel says they'll awake to everlasting life. The Lord speaks of the resurrections according to prophecy in John five twenty eight and 29. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. The first resurrection is a resurrection of life. It is the first resurrection of prophecy the resurrection of all the saved under God's program with Israel, Peter, James, John, David, Solomon, Moses, Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Esther, Mordecai, Ruth, and all the other prophetic saints, their bodies will be raised from the dead, gloriously changed, joined to their spirit and soul, and they'll enter the earthly kingdom in those bodies and as Matthew eight eleven says many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven
0: we'll be returning to the program in just a minute but first we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners for making these programs possible if you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools go to Society.org. Christmas Times is a gospel track to reach the lost for Christ, written by Pastor Kevin Sadler, president of the Berean Bible Society. According to the Bible in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1-5, apart from Christ, mankind is dead in trespasses and sins. We need the forgiveness of sins and the eternal life that only God can give in order to be sure of our future in heaven. Christmas Times covers Christmas past, Christmas Present and Christmas Future. Christmas Times is sold in packs of 25. To order, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262 4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262 262- Two five five forty seven fifty, or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin.
1: First Corinthians fifteen twenty four to twenty six reads: Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Paul defines, he gives a definition of the kingdom on earth here when he says, When he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power for he or Christ must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. Following the thousand year kingdom comes the time when the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Revelation 2013 13-15 describes this time, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell, or Hades, delivered up the dead which were in them. And death and hell, that is Hades, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second resurrection of prophecy. There are 1000 years between the first and second resurrections. The second is a resurrection for all unbelievers of all time. It's called the resurrection of damnation in John 5:29. Daniel 12:2 prophesies of this resurrection as well and says many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake to shame and everlasting contempt. At the second resurrection, the physical bodies of the unsaved will be raised and joined with their spirits which have been in Hades, and the resurrected bodies given to the unsaved by God at that time will be indestructible, able to exist forever in torment in the lake of fire. The unbelieving are then judged at the great white throne according to their works and cast into the lake of fire. Once this final judgment is over, both death and Hades are cast into the lake of fire as well. Death speaks of the grave, the temporary holding place of unsaved people's bodies. Hades speaks to the temporary holding place of punishment for unsaved people's souls in the center of the earth. Death and Hades are cast into the lake of fire after the great white throne because there will be no more physical death and there will be no need for Hades anymore. And it is at this time, as 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty six says, that the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And as Revelation 21, 4 puts it, there shall be no more death. So prophecy foretells of three resurrections. Christ, those saved under Israel's program to enter the kingdom on the earth, and all unbelievers to enter the lake of fire. And Paul says that this is the order that they'll take place. But when you go over to verse 51 in this chapter, Paul reveals a new and a different resurrection. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-one 51-52 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. After Paul had given the prophetic order of resurrections, in verse 51 he brings up a coming of Christ and a resurrection that had never before been revealed. Under grace, we, the body of Christ, have our own resurrection completely separate from these prophetic resurrections which will take place at the rapture. The word mystery in verse 51 means to shut the mouth. It speaks of something which God had said nothing about in the past until he opened his mouth and revealed it. And he reveals this resurrection, this coming of Christ, to Paul. And this is why Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery. All the previous resurrections, Christ's resurrection, the first resurrection, the resurrection of damnation, they were all revealed in the Old Testament in prophecy, but not this resurrection for the body of Christ. Christ revealed to Paul a resurrection that had never been foretold in Scripture. The first resurrection and this resurrection of the body are two different resurrections. The prophesied first resurrection is for Israel and for all the prophetic saints, and will take place after Christ's prophesied second coming to Israel. In verses 51 to 53, this never-before-revealed resurrection is for the body of Christ, and will take place at Christ's never-before-revealed coming, the rapture of the church. The rapture with its resurrection was a mystery, and is part of the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, as Romans 16.25 says, It's part of the message of grace, the body of truth, which had been hid in the mind of God and revealed first to the Apostle Paul. At both the second coming and the rapture, a resurrection takes place. At Christ's second coming to Israel, a resurrection for redeemed Israel takes place. At the rapture of the church, a resurrection for the body of Christ takes place. And you can see that by noticing the personal pronouns, how they change from they to we here, as Paul applies this coming of Christ and this resurrection to us, the church, the body of Christ. In Paul's epistles, when he writes, he's addressing the body of Christ, and he tells us here, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In verse 23, Paul talked about they that are Christ at his second coming, speaking of Israel, here he's speaking of us, we, the body of Christ, uh, those that are Christ at the rapture. The rapture is resurrection day for the body of Christ only. Only those saved in the dispensation of grace will be raised at the rapture. Job, Abraham, Joseph, Elijah, Peter, John the Baptist, Mary, All the bodies of the saved prophetic saints will remain in their graves until the first resurrection of prophecy after the tribulation period when they'll be ushered into the kingdom of heaven on the earth. But at the rapture, all the saved under this dispensation of grace from the apostle Paul on, all those who have been saved under the terms of salvation for this dispensation, believing that Christ died for our sins and rose again, will be raised at the rapture of the church. So the order for the future resurrections is this. First, the rapture and the resurrection of the church, the body of Christ, to enter heaven. And this coming of Christ and this resurrection could take place any time. Seven years later, after the rapture and after the tribulation period is completed, at Christ's second coming, The first resurrection of prophecy takes place to raise kingdom saints to enter the kingdom on the earth. One thousand years later, the second resurrection of all unbelievers takes place to enter the lake of fire. Paul says here that for one generation of the body of Christ who are alive at the rapture, they will not sleep or they will not die. Instead, they will be changed At the rapture, a trumpet will sound to gather the body of Christ to heaven and to announce the close of this dispensation of grace. When the Lord comes at the rapture, He will bring the souls of all the members of the body of Christ who have died and are in heaven with Him right now. And He will call out and raise their bodies from the grave in glory and power and will unite body and soul together and they'll be fitted with incorruptible, immortal bodies. Then the living will be changed, and he will transform the bodies of the living members of the body of Christ in the twinkling of an eye, and likewise give them incorruptible, immortal, glorious, powerful, spiritual bodies and catch us away to heaven. When John Quincy Adams, the sixth president of the United States, was 80 years old, a friend asked him, Well, how is John Quincy Adams? He replied, Thank you. John Quincy Adams is quite well. But the house where he lives is becoming dilapidated. It is tottering. Time and seasons have nearly destroyed it. And it is becoming quite uninhabitable. I will have to move out of it soon, but John Quincy Adams is quite well, thank you. At Christ's coming at the rapture, these earthly houses in which we groan, Scripture puts it, will change in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. On that glorious day, our bodies will be fashioned like Christ's glorious body, the body of His glory in which He possesses eternally in His glorification. Our glorified bodies will never wear down, never break down, never corrupt, they'll never die. We will live forever in our new glorified bodies with Christ. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight reads, Therefore, my beloved brethren, Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Verse 58 teaches us how Christ's resurrection, and knowing the certainty of our resurrection at the rapture, how this should affect the way we live. We see here two effects that our faith ought to have upon us as we are rapture ready. The first is to be steadfast and unmovable. In this context, we are talking about the truth of the resurrection. There are many who deny Christ's resurrection. There are many who confuse the resurrections to come. For us who believe and understand, we have a responsibility to defend the truth, stand for it, and be unmovable. On this, we will not move. On this we stand firm. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, and He literally and physically rose again the third day from the dead, triumphant over sin and death. The resurrection tells us that our sins are forgiven completely through Christ and His cross, and His resurrection guarantees all who have believed life now and forever. The resurrection shows that Jesus Christ is God and the only Savior who alone has the power to save. We must be steadfast and unmovable with this truth of Christ's resurrection. On this also we must not move and we stand firm. There is a resurrection coming for Israel at Christ's second coming. And there is a resurrection coming for the body of Christ at the rapture. We must distinguish between our resurrection and Israel's, and we must stand for it. When Christ returns at the rapture, it will take place before the tribulation ever begins, and the body of Christ will be taken to heaven, which is our hope, and we will be given new, incorruptible, immortal bodies. In all of this, we must hang on tightly and not give an inch, remained fixed, not move off center, not let doubters or mockers or anyone undermine or weaken our confidence in Christ's resurrection or our resurrection at the rapture. The second effect our belief in the resurrection ought to have on us is to throw ourselves confidently and wholeheartedly into serving the Lord and to abound in the work of the Lord. We should live for the one who by grace loved us, gave himself for us, who because he lives, we shall live also. Our sure, confident hope should motivate us to serve him. The work of the Lord is not something that just pastors and missionaries do. This letter of Corinthians, this verse was written to a church. The work of the Lord is something all of us do. All the church is to serve, and God wants to use each of our lives for His glory. The work of the Lord involves all that we do for Him, as we pray for others, as we serve in the local church, in any area, as we help others and show God's grace, love, and kindness, as we share the gospel, or as we talk to others about the Word of God. It involves giving time and attention to our marriages and to our children, Raising and building our families by the word of God. It's about being a good and godly testimony in our daily work or at school and in all parts of life. God wants us to abound in all of these things. And the resurrection changes our perspective about service. Because we may pour prayers and efforts into some task that might seem to us at times like it's just a black hole. And what's the point? We might pour ourselves into someone's life that just seems beyond reach. We might pour ourselves into some dream that just seems as dead as a doornail and impossible. But with the God of the resurrection, we know that things are not always as they seem. We have a living Savior who is at work and He uses our service and nothing done for Him is ever done in vain. We know and we trust this as we walk by faith in Him. And the Lord of life and the God of of the resurrection is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think through us and through our service. The resurrection teaches us that life now is an investment in the future. Without it, without the resurrection, The sensible thing to do is to live for the moment, to live for me, and to live for now. As verse 32 in this chapter says, If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But because Christ lives, we should live and serve in light of eternity knowing that our hope is absolutely true and sure, knowing that our service, that all of our work, all of our labor, nothing, any of it, is ever done in vain, knowing that we will be rewarded and honored by Christ Himself one day for our faith, our faithfulness, and all we do for Him. Andrew Murray wrote, God has no more precious gift to a church or an age than a person who lives as an embodiment of His will and inspires those around them with the faith of what grace can do. As we stay rapture ready at all times, may the resurrection and our hope drive us to abound in the work of the Lord, to live by faith in our living Savior and show what His grace can do in and through our lives.
0: Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call At 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.